Acts chapter 12. In verse 1 it says, Now about that time heard the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword, and because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread, so when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him intending to bring him out before the people after Passover. So when <clears throat> Herod had arrested and killed James, John's brother, it so pleased the people that he decided that he'd arrest Peter as well. Herod was one of these guys who played up to the crowd, amen? He knew that people were happy that he had killed James. So now he thought, you know what? I'll gain more favor with the people if I, if I arrest Peter, perceived as one of the leaders of the church. So he went ahead and he arrested Peter. But this time when he arrested Peter, he must have been keeping up with his, his New Testament reading in one year because he must have just read Acts chapter 5 where he saw that the angel of the Lord had came and released the apostles from prison one time when he had arrested them in the past. Remember that? In Acts chapter 5. So this time, he wasn't taking any chances that the angel of the Lord would come and, and release Peter because Peter was vital to his plans for his own elevation at that time. So when he arrested Peter this time, he didn't take a chance, so he, he set four squadrons of four soldiers over Peter to mind him. So verse 5 says that Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Thank God for a believing church. Amen. Prayer works. Just in case you ever wondered. Amen. Prayer works. It really does. Amen. And we need to be a praying church. Glory to God. Verse 6 says, And when Herod was about to bring Peter out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains bef between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Herod was making sure that Peter was safe, wasn't he? The night before he was about to bring Peter out to chop his head off, he had Peter bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the rest of the guards were there in the cell watching the door. And the Bible says that Peter was afraid and anxious and worried and up to 90. Does your version say that? If it does, please, this is one time you need to tear that page out, because the Bible doesn't say that, amen? The Bible says that Peter was fast asleep. Amen. Despite the fact that Peter was bound with two chains to two smelly guards. Amen. Can you imagine it? Bound with two chains to two smelly guards, and they were fastened tightly to him. Now, glory to God, we've just come through, praise the Lord, times where we had to socially distance. And a lot of people were very happy with social distancing because a lot of people don't like when people get up in their business. Nobody wants anyone standing on their back, do you? When you're in a queue, you want people to give you a little bit of space, at least one foot. Here is Peter. He's in jail, and he's bound with chains to two stinky soldiers. And not only that, 
in this prison, and I'm telling you, this prison was no luxury Hilton hotel room. This prison was a small room. In this small prison room where Peter is bound to two, prisoner, or two, to two um, prison officers, to two guards, there's 14 other, 14 other guards in that room. And it says Peter was fast asleep. Now, Peter's definitely not like me. Because sometimes I struggle to sleep when my pillow is not pluffed enough. Anybody else like that? Angela pluffs our pillows seven times. Seven times. I know seven is, is God's number. So when she makes the bed, I watch her because I don't, manly thing, you know, you don't make. <laughs> when I'm on the other side of the bed. <laughs> when Angela makes the bed, she pluffs the pillows. Do you do that? Anyone else do you pluff your pillow? She pluffs the pillow seven times. And she, then she does my pillow seven times. I struggle to sleep sometimes if my pillow is flat. I struggle to sleep sometimes if, if the undersheet of, uh, of our bed is wrinkled. I'm a little bit weird that way. I like the, everything to be nice and flat. I like the princess and the pea. Well, not the princess and the pea, Prince and the pea. Amen? But here's Peter, fast asleep with chains. Now, these weren't nice little chains, you know, with, with uh, fluffy little chains, anything like that. They were iron chains and rusty iron chains, probably at that. Iron chain to two guards. And then I mentioned that they were bringing him out in the morning to cut his head off. But here is Peter, fast asleep. Glory to God. Let's continue. Verse 7 says, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garments and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to an iron gate that leads to the city, which opened in front of them of, of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Church, Never stop believing God for your miracle. Never, never stop believing and trusting God for your breakthrough. We serve a very real God. Amen? A very real God. Verse 11 says, And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod, and from all the expectations of the Jewish people. Glory to God. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Verse 12 says, And when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where they were gathering together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, 
But she ran and announced that Peter stood before the gate. You know, they were gathered in Mary's house that night praying for Peter's release. Thank God, amen? Thank God for believers that will take time to get together to pray, amen? And when Peter shows up at the door, they wouldn't let him in. I mean, this, this is a comical scene. They wouldn't let him in when he shows up at the door. Can you imagine how Peter must have felt after everything that he had just gone through? I mean, he was ready for execution in the morning. And, and here he is now, after being led out of the prison, after... Uh, there was 16 guards in that jail that night. Two of them up in his business, chained to him. And the angel of the Lord, when he touched Peter, the chains fell off of Peter, and he got up, and he had time to put his sandals on. And I don't know about you, it takes me time to put my shoes on. It takes me time, first of all, to find them. Now, if there's 16 people in your room, how much harder it must have been to find your sandals? So Peter, he was awoken by this angel. And he goes then and he finds his sandals and puts his sandals on. And then he's led out of the prison by this angel. Out past, I mean, they had automatic gates in Jerusalem back in Jesus' day, amen? We're used to it now when we walk up to a door opening in front of us, but they weren't used to it in Jesus' day, amen? But God is a great God, amen, the God of automatic doors. As soon as Peter and the angel walked up to the gate, it opened in front of them. And they walked through. Angel led him up a street and then went and left him. What a great God we serve, amen? What a real God we serve. But here's Peter now, after he'd been left by the angel, and he goes to Mary's house. He knew that there was going to be a prayer meeting going on there, so he knew it was a good place to go. And he comes up to the door, and he knocks on the door, and someone answers the door, and they won't let him in. How must he have felt? He was due for execution the next day. I'm sure every Roman soldier in Jerusalem was looking for him to bring him back to have him executed. And here he is, standing out there, exposed in public, outside Mary's door, and he can't get in. Peter could have been forgiven for giving up on Mary and going off and hiding someplace else. You know, when Rhoda went upstairs and announced that Peter was at the door, verse 16 says, But they said to her, You are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said to her, It is his angel. I love the way the King James Version puts it. The King James Version says, And they said unto her, Thou art mad. I love when the King James Version doesn't mince his words sometimes. You're nuts. You're mad. He's not at the door. That's what they said to her. Amen? These believers, and this is the funny part of it, and you can laugh if you want this morning. That's okay. We're in church. Doesn't mean we lose our sense of humor at the door. These believers were all gathered together in Mary's house praying for Peter's freedom Asking God to move in this situation, to get him out of prison. And when they were there, right in the middle of their petitioning God, and Peter shows up, their first response to Rhoda was, Thou art mad. They were praying for his freedom. They were on their knees, I'm sure, offering up petitions to God. Lord God, we're asking you, release Peter. Rhoda comes in. Peter's at the door. You're mad. Can you see that? <laughs> it's crazy to me. How many times have we prayed for something 
and actually didn't believe we'd get it in the first place. I mean, we've spent time petitioning God, asking God for whatever it is, and really, honest to goodness, we actually don't believe we're going to get it. It's kind of like just an exercise, you know. We just spend some time in prayer asking God for something that genuinely, I don't know whether we're going to get it or not, but sure, we'll ask anyway. Yeah, we've all done it, amen? Remember that time that a man brought his son to Jesus for him to be healed of his fits? Remember that? That he was having? And Jesus wasn't there because he was up on the mountain having a meeting with God. Remember that one? And when Jesus came down the mountain and he found his apostles bundling around and not able to set this young boy free, failing miserably, and, and Jesus said to the father of the boy, in Mark chapter 9 there, he said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And verse 24, the father's answer was amazing, an amazing answer. The father said, he said, he cried out with tears and he said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You see, I believe a lot of the times when we pray, we believe, but we also have that fragment of unbelief there, don't we? We're asking God to, to move over this health situation. We're asking God to move over this relationship difficulty. We're asking God to move over, over this financial problem. And even though we're asking God for, 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 for God to move over this situation, we still have this little bit of unbelief there, don't we? And I think we need to be honest with God when we come to God in prayer. I think we need to be honest to say, Lord, I believe you can do this. Help my unbelief. Help the part of me that is not lining up with my belief. Help the part of me that, that's struggling to, to agree with what my mouth is saying. My mouth is speaking these great prayers, but there's part of me struggling to, to line up with that. Lord, help my unbelief. How many of us have found us, ourselves in that position? We're praying and believing and asking God for something maybe for years. And there's a large part of us there now that, that really is, 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 is trying to say to us, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. And even though, you know, even though your heart is there saying, Lord, I, I need you to come through in this area. I need, I, I'm, I'm trusting you, Lord. I know that you can do it. There's that bit in you still that's pulling against your belief. It's okay to go to God with your doubts. Amen? It's okay to be honest with God because if you can't be honest with God, I mean, who can you be honest with? It's okay to go to God and say, Lord, I know you can. I know you have. And I know you will again. But Lord, there is this thing in me that's pulling against that, Lord. So help my, the part of me that's in unbelief. That's okay. So here's Peter. He shows up at, at, at Mary's door. And he doesn't get in immediately because Rhoda is so excited that Peter's there. And she goes up to the prayer group and she tells Peter that she's there, that, that she tells the prayer group that Peter's there at the door. And, and here's a fascinating thing that, that, that I see in this, that it was easier for the prayer group who's praying for Peter's release, it was easier for them to believe that, that Peter's angel was at the door 
than it was for them to believe that Peter was at the door. Because they said to Rhoda, you're mad. It's not Peter, it's his angel. Do you get that? It was easier for him to believe that it was Peter's angel rather than it was Peter himself. So here's the question I have today. What do we do as believers when it seems that our prayers are not being answered? What do we do? Well, we find our answer in the very next verse. In verse 16, it says, And Peter continued knocking. It says, Peter continued knocking. When the door wasn't answered to Peter straight away, what did he do? <laughs> Kept on knocking. When he heard, and Peter would have heard Rhoda running up the stairs. It's Peter, it's Peter, it's Peter. She was running up the stairs telling everyone. And then they had a whole debate up there. I mean, here's Peter, exposed. Exposed. To a Roman soldier could have walked by at any minute and arrested him. He ran back to square one. But Peter decided, you know what? I'm going to keep on knocking. I'm going to keep on knocking. I'm going to keep on knocking until the door is open. Church, when your prayers are not answered straight away, whether it be in a week or a month or a year, we've got to keep on knocking. Amen? When your prayers and your petitions are not answered in your timeline, you've got to trust God that God has a different timeline. And you've got to keep on knocking. Amen? Keep on knocking. Got to keep on knocking. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. You see, I think sometimes, I'm, I'm, uh, when I watch a film, I'm, I'm observational. And I've always noticed watching a film that when someone goes to visit somebody else's house in a film, and they knock on the door or they ring the doorbell, it's answered in two or three seconds. Let me tell you, in our house, if you come knocking on our door, it will not be answered in two or three seconds. You could be there for a minute. Depending on what we're doing or where we are in the house, you could be there for two minutes. But here's the thing. If you know we're there, you see the cars are outside, you see the lights on, you see the television is on, you know we're there, don't give up after two or three seconds. Amen? Knock again. Because we're there. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. The Homan Christian Standard Version of the Bible says, Keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be opened to you. Keep. Keep knocking. Keep seeking. Keep searching. Keep, keep looking. It will be. It will be. It will be. Keep asking even when the answer doesn't come in a day or a week or a month. Keep asking. Keep knocking when the answer doesn't come in a day, week or a month. Keep knocking. Church persistence is the key. Amen? Verse 8 says, For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and to everyone who knocks, it will be opened. Amen? Everyone. I love that inclusivity of that verse. It says to everyone. Everyone is a great word, isn't it? 
because it includes everyone. Do you know our God was inclusive before inclusivity was a thing? It seems like inclusivity has only been a thing in the last few years. Our God was inclusive before inclusivity was ever a thing. Our God, when he says everyone, he means everyone. Amen. Regardless of stature or stance or race or color or religion or whatever else, our God, when he says everyone, means everyone. Never believe anyone who tells you God picks and chooses whom he heals, whom he blesses, or whom he saves. Because if he was a God that would choose between you and me to pick one of us to heal, he's no better than a game show host, amen? If he was to choose between you and me, between A, B, or C, or flip of a coin, who will I bless today? Sorry, I'm not blessing you today. You didn't win. If he was a God who chose between one person and another person whom he would save, then he's not a God at all. Amen? Amen? He is everyone God. Amen? He came and he sent his son Jesus to die for all the world. Everyone. Amen? So don't you ever believe anyone who would tell you that Jesus didn't die for everyone. That he only died for the elect. It's rubbish. Amen? That's demonic. He died for everyone. Not everyone is going to choose him. We understand that. But he still died for everyone. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why would we have to preach the gospel to every creature if Jesus didn't die for everyone? If Jesus didn't die for everyone, someone could stand before God and say, hey, you can't send me to hell because you didn't die for me in the first place. Our God is not an unfair God, amen? He's a God of justice. And justice means equality. It means equal rights to those who choose and those who choose not to. The Word of God says you have not because you ask not. Some don't ask, so they don't have. Amen? Our God is a God of inclusivity. That's a whole other message. Amen? Galatians chapter 9, it says there, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Keep on <clears throat> knocking. Amen? Keep on knocking. Don't get, grow weary. Don't go tired doing good. For me, waiting is one of the most frustrating things in the world. I hate waiting. I'm not, I'm, in that sense, I don't like queues. If I go to the bank and there's any more than four people in front of me, I'll go away. I'll come back some other time when there's less people there. I don't like queues. I, don't, I hate traffic. I really hate traffic. If we got to go to Dublin and we got to be there by a certain hour, I leave extra early to avoid traffic because I hate traffic. I'm not good for waiting. I'm not good for queuing, but I've got to learn. I know. I've got to learn faith and patience in God. Amen? That sometimes the things that we pray for in God, we've got to wait for Him. When I was 17, I fell off my bike, sprained my arm, bursted up my head a little bit too. Didn't damage me now. I think I'm okay. But I ended up in hospital. And they put a heavy strap on me. 
And I said, come back in, in, I think it was three weeks. They said, come back in three weeks and we'll take the strapping off. So I went back in three weeks. And I went into the hospital. And I sat there. I was one of the first in the waiting room. And I sat there. And people started to come. And they got seen before me. And more people came and they were seen before me. So what did Enda, 17-year-old Enda, do? He got up and he left. And as when I left, I, I, I was standing outside of the hospital, a little bit down from the hospital, and I was peeling this thing off myself. I took the strapping off myself, never went back to the hospital. A couple of years later, I was cycling again. Fell off my bike again. Now, either I'm a bad cyclist, or I used to do a lot of cycling, one or the other. Fell off my bike again, broke collarbone this time. It wasn't good enough to strain my arm once. I had to break something. So I broke my collarbone this time. If you know anything about the collarbone, if you break a collarbone, you can't put plaster or Paris on it. So all you can do with a collarbone is strap it up. So here I was for, like this, strapped up. Hand over the shoulder, strapped up. Told me in the hospital, you've got to leave that there for four weeks. Come back then, we'll take it off and we'll see if we're all right. After two weeks, end his arm was down. He was grand. He was fine. I didn't go back to the hospital. I hadn't patience. But I know in my walk with God, in my walk with God, God wants me to develop patience. He wants me to, to not just knock the once and have the door maybe not open after the first knock and then walk away. God wants me to keep on knocking, amen? Keep on knocking. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12 that we are to rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Amen? We serve a faithful God. We serve an inclusive God. We serve a God that when he hears us knocking, he doesn't ignore our knocking. He's just saying sometimes you've got to wait with faith and patience. Because our God will never let you down. Amen? And here's the great thing about God. In Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 12, he says he stands his word to perform it. God is the mediator of his own word. Amen? He watches over his own word, and he said he will perform it. God will never let you down. Put your hope in him. I let you down. I will make mistakes. I will promise you sometimes to do something for you, and I will forget. I won't intentionally let you down, but I will let you down. Everything in this world will let you down eventually, except God. God will never let you down. Romans chapter 3 and verse 4, it says there, By no means let God be true, though everyone be a liar. Church, God is true. God is true. God wants us to keep on knocking and never stop asking. Amen? One more scripture. Let me give you this one. In John chapter 15 and verse 7, it says, If you abide in me, and my word abides in you. You will ask what you desire, and it will. It will. It will <clears throat> be done for you. Amen? Let's stand to our feet this morning. Amen? At the very end of, of our... Uh, at the very end of our story today, I want you to just to finish this actually before we exit.
we left Peter knocking, didn't we? So I don't want to leave Peter knocking this morning. Because you should never leave someone knocking at your door, amen? And God would never leave anyone knocking at the door. So when, when he knocked, and when he persisted in knocking, when he didn't give up, when he didn't get the answer, what happened? Verse 16. It says, Peter continued knocking. And then it says, and when they opened the door, they saw him, and they were astonished. Church, whatever you're trusting God for, whatever you're believing God for, keep on knocking. God will answer the door. Amen?